You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Does it make sense to treat an addictive disorder with medication? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is the president of the Association for Addiction Professionals, Dr. Sharon Freeman. She also maintains an active clinical practice as executive director of the Center for Brief Therapy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Dr. Freeman, what types of pharmacotherapy are available for patients with addictive diseases? Let's start with alcoholism. Many of us are only familiar with antabuse. Well, antabuse was first introduced in the early 1950s, I believe 1950. And prior to that, we were using arsenic, cocaine, steroids, and insulin. Many people are surprised by that, but that was all we had. And Research does help us develop new therapies, and it took another 50 years before camprosate and naltrexone came onto the market as potential adjuncts for treating these disorders. Anabuse really isn't a treatment for alcoholism. Anabuse is a deterrent for alcoholism. It makes the individual violently ill if they drink. So basically, it's like setting a plate of your grandmother's freshly baked brownies warm from the oven in front of you if you're a chocolate person like I am, and then saying, oh, you can't eat those. Those are for company, knowing that you know, you're going to get in trouble if you do. It really is a deterrent. Treatments, on the other hand, such as naltrexone, have been very helpful for these disorders. Uh, the naltrexone works by blocking the effect of endogenous opioid peptides that are associated with the alcohol use. In other words, it makes the alcohol less rewarding and it also reduces cravings. In my practice, when I prescribe the naltrexone for individuals, mostly individuals who are working, they're very successful. Often these people come in and they say, I've tried to stop using alcohol You know, my mate has told me that if I don't discontinue, there's going to be dire consequences. You know, they may not have lost their job yet, or they may not have, you know, their business may not have failed yet, but they're beginning to have shaky ground. And they're upset. They feel embarrassed. And they're wanting to try something, but they don't necessarily want to attend 12-step meetings. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So we'll start talking about ways that they can avoid drinking in talk therapy sessions and begin naltrexone. And about a month later, after they've been on the medication, they'll say, you know, I have absolutely no interest in drinking at all. How do you decide, naltrexone or antabuse? Well, I don't use antabuse. I've never been in favor of using the antabuse. I find that it's rather cruel, actually. It's something that's most often used in court systems as a last resort for individuals who repeatedly drink and drive or individuals who just have tried everything and this is the last thing that they might have that everything else has failed. Naltrexone is something that it's got fairly few side effects and it's 
fairly inexpensive. It's uh, available in a generic as well as in the name brands Revia and DePaid. It does dramatically reduce the cravings or the interest. What most individuals say is, I'm just not interested. So if you uh, were to go out golfing with your buddies, you could take along soda and it would be okay. And others that are farther along in their addiction, they need a lot more support than that, than just the individual therapy once or twice a month. But they just will report it's a relief. It's a monkey off their back, to use an old adage. But they just don't feel that craving. There's another medication called a camprosate, or the trade name is Camprol. That particular medication works in a different way. And often prescribers are confused by these two medications. They don't do the same thing. A camprosate or Camprol helps with post-acute withdrawal. This medication is given to individuals who discontinue the use of alcohol, have difficulty sleeping, they might wake up during the night or not be able to fall asleep at all, they have irritability, they might even be anxious, overtly anxious, and often that is what results in the relapse. So with Camprol or a Camprosate, It helps them get through that period of irritability, anxiety, sleeplessness that is the really difficult phase after someone discontinues using alcohol. And again, depending on how far they are into the dependence phase of the addiction is how long and how hard this post-acute withdrawal phase is going to be. Some individuals do not experience it if they are early in their addiction. So for many, I will prescribe both the acamprosate and the naltrexone. They may need both of these medications. They're having the post-acute withdrawal, and they need something to help them avoid the alcohol because they are having that craving, which they describe as, you know, I think about it. I just have have it calling to me. I find myself, you know, wondering when I can get home in time or, or I want to drive by the bar and see the guys or things like that. So the two medications can work together or you may choose to have only one or the other. But it's really imperative that they are in therapy with someone with these medications. The medications do not stand alone. And I've seen too many patients relapse and fail when they're given only the medication alone because they don't understand how they work and they're not supported. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sharon Freeman. We are discussing pharmacological treatments for addiction. Now, Sharon, what about the relatively new depot form of naltrexone for alcoholism? I think that's an excellent uh, new medication. It's marketed as Vivitrol, and I use that for individuals who have done well on the oral dosing or who just say, you know, I don't want to mess with the oral dosing and I really need to be on something to keep me from relapsing. They've had multiple relapses multiple treatments, and they are very motivated but have a hard time with maintaining abstinence. And this disorder, alcohol dependence, 
does have a high rate of recovery, which is surprising to many people. When you compare the rates of relapse to other chronic illnesses, such as hypertension and asthma, drug addiction has a lower rate of relapse regarding maintenance on medication. It's got a pretty high recovery rate. When you compare it to type 1 diabetes and adherence to medication compliance, it's about even. So just to review, the abuse is the only one that's aversive. That's the only one of these that'll make you sick. The naltrexone, which is Revia or Vivitrol in the shot, helps with craving. And the Campril helps with more of the uh, long-term withdrawal effects. Is that correct? Right, the post-acute withdrawal effects. So it sounds like we, we've come a long way in our understanding of the biology of alcoholism. Are medications being successfully used in other addictions? Yes, absolutely. We've now learned a lot about opiate addiction, for example. For a long time, the only choice we had with opiate addiction was either methadone. We had to start somewhere, and that's where we started, Methadone was an excellent choice, but now we have either naltrexone or buprenorphine. Naltrexone was problematic because the individual still experienced severe cravings, and as a result of the severe cravings, often relapsed. Again, it was like placing that plate of brownies, if you could multiply that by 100 in any of these dependency problems, and then say, you know, don't touch but make it your five-year-old. It's next to impossible. But with buprenorphine, the difference is a partial agonist. Methadone is a full agonist at the mu opioid receptor. So with methadone, unfortunately, there have been instances of overdose, both in cases where methadone is used as a chronic pain medication. And methadone was originally built for chronic pain, and buprenorphine is an excellent chronic pain medication. Unfortunately, it can't be prescribed that way because it's strictly controlled. But as a partial agonist at the mu opioid receptor, it has a very high affinity and a low intrinsic activity at that mu opioid receptor, and it's going to displace morphine, methadone, and any other full opioid agonist from that receptor. And as a result, it's clinically desirable It has a lower abuse potential, lower level of physical dependence, and a ceiling effect. And that's the greatest attraction to bup is because you aren't going to overdose, and it's very low likelihood of overdose with buprenorphine. So is there any role for methadone today? There are many methadone clinics because they are licensed that way, and the government is now trying to take a look at how to open those methadone clinics to allow for the choice for buprenorphine. With methadone, it's hard to get the individual off of methadone. Once on methadone, it's like you're stuck. With buprenorphine, you actually can taper the individual off, and that's another benefit of using buprenorphine over methadone is you start at a low dose of the buprenorphine based on what level of opiate dependence that you were at, and then you slowly taper that down until you can be off of buprenorphine individuals that I've treated are almost in tears that they can finally get off of methadone or that this option is available. It makes them feel normal. That's what they describe is that they'll say, you know, they don't feel high. They don't feel withdrawal. They just feel normal. And it's excellent. If the individual has chronic pain, for example, and that is one of the reasons that they became 
dependent upon opiates and that use became out of control, that somehow or another they were one of the individuals that the trigger got switched and they lost control over the opiates and now they are wanting to get off of opiates. They can use buprenorphine as their pain control and they can stay on the buprenorphine through a pain management clinic that is associated with an addiction clinic and it provides an excellent form of both pain management and very low potential for abuse. Well, I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Sharon Freeman. We've been discussing using medications to treat addictive disorders. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.